Welcome back to Discipleology, a podcast where we discuss what really works in discipleship. We're on the seventh signpost. Guys, this one might be my favorite. So as the lone extrovert in the room, uh, building relationships is something that I think I do naturally. I honestly want to get to know everybody out there. I want to know if you are listening, I want to get to know you. Please, please shoot me an email, andrew.hudson at lifeway.com. Tell me your life story. We will be best friends, I promise. It is something that I love to do. I love to connect with people. So how is it that a maturing disciple is intentional about building relationships with others, both believers and non-believers? Scott, talk to us a little bit about the research behind this. And we've already talked about relationships on a couple of the other signposts. We, we talked about building relationships uh, with non-Christians as part of sharing Christ. We talked about uh, building relationships as we serve people. Uh, you know, this signpost really does focus a lot on our relationships with other believers. Uh, there, there's something in uh, our, our walk with Christ that we come to Christ individually, but God wants us to live that out in, a, in community. And, and that's what, what this signpost really reflects. And when we ask people about their experience in a local church, which is the, the English word we use to talk about that local community, um, we find that, yes, three-fourths of churchgoers will give a head nod that they've got some significant relationships at church. But on our scale, it's actually less than half strongly agree that they have significant relationships with others at church. Uh, they know names, they, they, they see familiar faces there, but it's really not tight. And, and so some of those, those things that, that need to be occurring uh, of us investing in somebody else's life and pointing them toward Christ, us having transparency in our lives, us having some vulnerability in, in sharing what we're going through, uh, those don't come without deeper relationships. And, and relationships take time and they take effort. And so this is one that, that won't just happen uh, if, if we don't put some effort into it. And, uh, and I, I think in our culture today, it's something that, you know, building relationships is not just a church problem. It, it's, it's, a, it, it's a Western culture problem. Uh, there's a lot of lonely people uh, and there's a lot of people that have difficulty developing relationships in our culture today. And yet, Church is a place where we're coming together, yes, with a, a shared purpose of, of glorifying God, uh, but it's also a shared purpose of living life uh, mm -hmm. in community. Mm -hmm. At, if somebody is reading this or listening to this, it strikes me that they might ask the question of, why is, why is this a marker of a maturing disciple? Wouldn't this just be a marker of somebody who is relationally intelligent? or somebody who is friendly, why is this a marker of a, of a Christ follower? And that, that forces us, I think, to articulate some of the differences between Christian relationships and other relationships. So the, the reason, in my mind, that building relationships is one of the signposts from a, from a spiritual standpoint, that I think there are two of them. One is because for the Christian maybe more so, it should be more so than someone who is not a Christian, that we recognize our deep need of relationships. And so our willingness to really invest in relationships of authenticity and transparency, that's really an act of humility of us recognizing, man, I, I cannot figure out my life 
or live my life or even follow Jesus. I really can't do this on my own. I got to have other people helping me do it. So intrinsic to this is humility. That's one mark of, of Christian relationships. And then another mark of Christian relationships that I think is, is different than anywhere else, again, this is how it should be, is that in as Christians, we build relationships with people that we have no business building relationships with. And I'm talking about within the church. So it's interesting, you know, just to take social media for an example, if you're on Facebook because of the algorithms that they use and that kind of thing, there's a really good chance that you could eventually get to the point on Facebook where you don't see anything that doesn't squarely fit with how you look, how you dress, how you vote, how you think, because it's all been narrowed constantly to your individual taste. The church should not be like that. The church ought to be a conglomeration of people who look different, earn different, are from different backgrounds, even have different views on non-essential matters. And those are people that we ought to be intentionally building relationships with to the end that people should look in the church and say, I don't have any idea why that 24-year-old is friends with that 85-year-old and that African-American woman is friends with that Hispanic man, and they all coexist in the same environment. I mean, this if you look to the New Testament, the diversity of the church was Paul's main apologetic for the validity of the gospel. This is how, I mean, this is what he held up. This is one of the ways that we know this is true is because these people don't have any business relating to each other except if the gospel is, if, except if the gospel is true. So as Christians, we, we ought to be building relationships. They should look different than other people's relationships because of our level of authenticity, our recognition of need for one another, but also in the variety of the relationships that we have. And, and when we ask the question, why should I, that, that validity of the gospel is so important because Jesus described that's how the non-believing that's world how gonna know. is going to know. Yeah, It's because we are one and we're not one by simply becoming a member and then never being with those people. It's by really having relationships to, with each other, being with each other, doing things together. That's being one. And, and that's how the gospel is spread. And that's how Jesus even prayed the gospel would be spread. So the church at Antioch, I think, was the first time the, the word Christian was used because they didn't know what to call them because they, they were such a diverse group of people. Um, for me, building relationships comes down to two things. One, being available, right? So if I am available to get to know you, uh, if I'm emotionally available, if my schedule is available, how do we become available? But then also truly caring about the person. So if I'm going to ask the questions to get to know them, uh, that is going to help build build those relationships. A, a really practical thing in a church setting is is to think smaller. You know, even in a smaller church of a, of eighty people. Uh, getting into a small group Bible study, you know, shrinks the field a little bit, allows for some relationships to develop. And we find that only six out of 10 churchgoers are in a small group or a Sunday school class. And so that, that's a, a very easy first step for somebody to take to say, okay, in that smaller setting, I can begin to get to know a few people. Community groups are a wonderful thing. Bible studies for life is also a really great 
small group curriculum. So if you're curious on how to get involved or how to start a new small group, Bible Studies for Life is an excellent resource for you to help lead your group. So we're going to walk through each one of these eight signposts every single year so you know that the philosophy that undergirds all of Bible Studies for Life is incredibly intentional. If you'd like to know more about the Discipleship Pathway, we've got a free ebook for you. You can go to disciplology.com. You can download Michael Kelly's Creating a Discipleship Pathway. It unpacks this even more. Guys, we would love to hear from you. Andrew.hudson at lifeway.com. We'll see you next time.